Welcome to Win the Day with Wasson, presented by MarketScale in partnership with WTD Consulting. Let's deep dive into the principles and perspectives that have shaped the winning mindsets with our guests focused on driving people performance. Confident our guests can help you unlock the coveted it factor that we believe is a learnable trait enabling the separation for success in a world of human commoditization. Welcome to our studio live in Dallas, a name that many of you might recognize a gentleman that goes by a multitude of names in our household. I'm privileged to welcome my dad. You may know him as Coach, some as Hal Wasson. My family is Silver, but most importantly, in the Texas high school football nation, the Silver Fox. Welcome to the studio. Thanks, Chase. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. It's an honor. Welcome to the studio, Dad. As we embark in this journey, Love to talk through the life lessons, number one, you've taught me, the mindset that we're talking through here, win the day, but more importantly, the impact you've had as a coach, driving change across student athletes, your impact on communities, your journey. I think growing up in the household, obviously change was inevitable, but give our audience some perspective of, you've touched high schools of small stature all the way up to the highest of stages. Now you're living the life of retirement, but give our audience the journey that you've been on that have ultimately paved your way to success. That's a question of a lot of moving parts. Uh, you know, I knew from an early age that I wanted to coach. I loved athletics. I loved competition. Uh, I loved the process of becoming a coach, becoming a leader, becoming uh, obviously uh, a husband a parent, a grandparent, so it's a journey. Uh, so that part, the process of all that fit well with me personally. Uh, as far as coaching goes, I always took it as, number one, it's a game of life lessons, first and foremost, and then winning uh, is a byproduct of those life lessons and the process. Well. Somewhere along the way, I'm not saying which one was the priority, winning or life lessons, but it is in a nutshell what it's all about. Uh, I was very fortunate as a young man. Uh, I had two wonderful parents uh, that supported me, and I learned uh, the wisest of all was my dad. I looked up to him more than anybody, uh, and he taught me the value of a work ethic, the value of integrity, the value of all those things. and. One of the life lessons he taught me at an early age uh, was be at your best when it mattered the most. Well, that's easily said, but very hard to do uh, because there's a lot of work involved in, in that process. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, to have a family that supported me. Uh, I was very fortunate to have a wife that supported me in my endeavors. Uh, I was very fortunate to have you and your sister that totally supported me. Uh, I've asked many times as a coach, uh, how, did you, how did you sacrifice all the things you had to sacrifice to be a coach? My answer is simple. I never made a sacrifice. You and your sister and your mom made a lot of sacrifices for me to get to do what I love to do. I never felt like I went to work. I went to invest in the lives of young men and young women, which was extremely challenging. And along the way, uh, the byproduct a lot of times is winning. So that's in a nutshell, uh, kind of the why I got into what I do. Uh, and I'll let you go from here. Well, we talk about winning. What I heard through that, and I've seen it, I've seen you live it, but you use the term sacrifice. And from a son's perspective, I actually think you sacrificed your own professional career, and we'll touch through that process. But one of the things I wanted to let our audience know, you're probably a top 10 all-time winningest coach of all time. We've got the ball here, 250 wins. That's the byproduct of the process you touched on. From a sacrifice standpoint, I remember growing up in field houses my whole life. Italy, Currens, Mejia, San Saba, uh, the list goes on and on. Liberty Hill, you were the head man. You were leading the charge, the face of the community. The sacrifice came when I was a sophomore in high school. And part of that journey led us to Southlake. I think that's a big part of the sacrifice you made 
Walk our audience through that process of things you learned as a head coach, the journey that took you ultimately to Southlake that really helped pave the way, not only for myself personally, selfishly, but I believe elevated your career and set yourself up for what you're doing now, which is living your best life. Absolutely. Uh, I believe success leaves clues. Uh, I learned, I had a lot of great mentors uh, along the way, obviously. I had a lot of people that supported me along the way. Uh, everything's about relationships, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, and when I got my first head coaching job, uh, I left Corsicana, as you know, as an assistant, and, and we had an, an incredible winning percentage. So I got the Italy head coaching job because of our success in Corsicana. It wasn't anything I did. I was part of a system that was successful. Systems succeed and systems fail. Uh, so we went to Italy. I think you were, what, two or three years old? Set you up a little gym because your mom was pregnant with twins at the time. Uh, had a tough pregnancy. Lost your sister during that time. Uh, but obviously setting up that gym for you and you'd come in every evening and show me what you had learned through your work. And I must say, I must admit, you were doing things that I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive, throwing balls through those squares or shooting the baskets. Uh, but it was, you were developing a sense of urgency to become what you want to become. In other, other words, everything starts with a visualization as to what you want to become. So that's where you start. Uh, I worked for a one hire, uh, a committee that hired me was the superintendent. What a great man, gave me my first shot at 29 years old, leading a program. I didn't know what I know until I knew. <laughs> you know, I thought it was all about X's and O's and though I found out that's not really the case. But he said, I'll be the guy that hires you and I'll be the guy that fires you. So, you know, there are two types of coaches, uh, those that have been hired and those that have been fired at one point. Uh, but at any rate, I had great respect for him uh, because he ran the show. To me, you're either a strong leader, a courageous leader, or you're not. You can't be kind of sort of. Uh, and so I patterned that uh, through his leadership skills and taught four classes. Uh, had I think there were me and three other coaches that coached seven through 12. We won a bunch of games. But guess what? Those that had gone before us had won a bunch of games. So success leaves clues. So I think a lot of coaches, to that my point, can go into a handful of schools and everybody wins. And that's good, but what impresses me the most and always has those that go in to those that haven't been as successful or have the resources and win. Uh, and it's you got to be careful how you define winning. Uh, that being said, uh, parlayed that into a relationship job at, uh, at San Saba at the time. Got to be the, the athletic director and the head football coach. We were fortunate to win and be successful. And what, do you, what am I saying? I'm trying to climb the ladder. I did learn all that glitters ain't gold, uh, but I am trying to climb the athletic uh, ladder. Uh, got to work for a dear friend of mine uh, who actually, we had, what, I think 19 starters returning off a district championship team at San Saba. And uh, got, Dr. Colwell came to San Saba. I knew his family for years. He got his first superintendency job and offered me that job. Initially, I wasn't going to do it, but Dr. Colwell's a very wise man. He went to see your mom and convinced her that we needed to be in Pittsburgh, and then came by the field house and said, by the way, here's the contract. Your wife said yes. So uh, that's how we ended up in Pittsburgh. Probably one of the best jobs we did, even though, uh, you know, the, the success record's on wins, but, you know, we formulated a seventh team, grade team, an eighth grade team, a freshman team, and a JV team. So, you know, we're- Process. Process. Uh, from that point on, uh, just to expedite the process here, uh, you and your sister fell in the floor when I got offered the job at my hometown. And for me personally, it's very important for you to be around your grandparents 
Did I tell you I had so much respect for my, my mom and dad, but the wisdom of my dad. And it was important for me, for you and your sister to be around my family, my dad, uh, so you could grow up with the work ethic of the farm and how things go. So we go there. That was uh, at Kearns. That was at Kearns. Uh, obviously had some successful years there. I guess we were there three or four years. And uh, uh, got to work for another dear friend and an exceptional leader. And uh, Dr. Dean Andrews offered me the job there at uh, Mahia. Interviewed in front of the school board and some of the best friends of my life are still there. And, and, and uh, formed a lot of relationships from up previous schools too but spent, what, three or four years there. You started your first game in the seventh grade. One thing I want to touch on, Mejia, because we talk about mindset and vision. Talk to me about HOAC. <laughs> well, we had a, I'm not a, I wasn't really a, a fan of cats. Uh, I like cats, but your mom was a fan. That's one of those things you kind of bend and bring. You and your sister love the black cat. When we got the black cat, they said, what are we going to name it? And that became our theme, which is still there in Mahia, Texas today, uh, HOAC, which is part of a champion. And uh, that was kind of our logo, our slogan. And uh, boy, had some fabulous uh, leadership with the kids and whatnot, and had some really great teams there in Mahia. Uh, again, going back to relationships and doing the things you're supposed to do. Uh, Dr. Andrews uh, parlayed that into a job at Liberty Hill, uh, asked me to come and visit him after he'd been there a year, had no intentions of taking the job. They didn't even know that there was a, was a job. Uh, thought so highly of he and his family, went out there to visit him. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm sitting in front of a boardroom and they've offered me the head foot, football coaching job and the athletic directorship. And I'm like, I didn't even know what we were, you know, so I'm kind of overwhelmed with that. Uh, great respect, but there's that word again, respect. Had so much respect for Dr. Andrews and his leadership skills. So they had put us up in a motel there in Georgetown and I'm with your mom there and processing all this. And uh, uh, one of the board members comes and asks my wife, can he visit with her or take me? And he wants to show me something. So I wasn't gonna go there because we had some stuff going at Mahia. The next thing I know, he shows me a spot and what he can do for our family and uh, your mom and you and your sister are fired up. And the next thing I know, we're in the Liberty Hill School District. Uh, great journey there, met a lot of good friends. Uh, but at that point, your sister was, you know, in middle school, had a lot of good things going. You were a sophomore, ninth and 10th grade, you had to start for us. as a, We were building a, a brand and program and Liberty Hill hadn't blown up. It was nothing like it is today. Sure. <clears throat> and that's coming to this point, I looked at you after the last game <clears throat> and I thought, you know, I've been very fortunate to win on the scoreboard a lot of games. And it to me, it was your time. It was your sister's time. It wasn't my time. And walking off that field that night of that 10th game, I just saw a look in your eyes. And I said, you know, it's time to move on. And I was willing <clears throat> to step down as a head coach and put you and your sister in an environment that you could succeed academically, athletically, uh, professionally, yada, yada, yada. So at that moment, uh, I initially tried to go to another school and they didn't have a coaching job open, as you know. You and I went to watch that game at Texas Stadium. Uh, by the way, faith is a big deal with me, as you know. Family's a big deal with me. And this is how God works. We go to Texas Stadium for a playoff game and get the times mixed up and go to the South Lake Carroll game mm -hmm. instead of the game we thought we were going to. Your mom and sister went shopping Five minutes into the game, you punched me and you said, Dad, I know where I want to play. I know where I want to go to school. I'm like, obviously uh, uh, knew the head coach there and the athletic director and uh, as faith has it, as fate has it, uh, made a call and uh, learned a lot of good football uh, 
had good football coach, uh, Coach Dodge, and great leader, and Coach Ledbetter, and uh, so that's how we ended up at Carroll. No, it's a, it's a tremendous story, and there's obviously a tremendous amount of details left out that led to that, but I'll tell you, back to that moment, I'll never forget, Stephenville, South Lake Carroll, bells ringing, Kellen Luker was the quarterback wearing number seven at Stephenville, and you talk about visualization, brand. I remember sitting right beside you saying, I want to wear number seven in the green and black, and we're going to play on the biggest stage there is. So your sacrifice put me in a position in probably, to this day, the most well-respected program in the state of Texas, playing on the biggest stages. Obviously, the relationships we formed, the teammates, an incredible journey in 2002, which, is, you know, shout out to the, my teammates and coaches during that time. You know, we set the world on fire, 16-0. You parlayed that into leaving South Lake, um, going to Keller Fossil Ridge. And talk to us about that journey, going from a program as an assistant, swallowing your pride a bit to put me in a position that ultimately led to the opportunity to have my education paid for, which we've talked about on this program. Degree is key to put yourself in a position to ultimately win in life. But I can't thank you enough, and obviously mom, and just the, the sacrifices you talked to that has allowed myself, Chelsea, and ultimately my family now to be in a position um, to have success outside of the athletic arena. So let's shift gears. You, you've, you parlay that success at Southlake into Keller Fossil Ridge, different demographics, upstart program. You guys set the world on fire, had a lot of probably the most electric wide receiver core to ever come through there. Walk us through that journey and then what led you back to South Lake? Well, it goes back to relationships. Uh, I didn't, as you recall, I really didn't uh, initially go after the Keller Fossil Ridge job because my mind wasn't right. I didn't believe enough in myself, honestly. It was a 6A school. I hadn't, I'd been 2A, 3A head coach, and I learned something about myself. If you don't believe in yourself, let me ask you, who is? So at that moment, I literally drove an old typewriter resume to Bob DeYoung, the athletic director, and called him right before the deadline, and I said, uh, Coach DeYoung, you don't know me, but I would, I would love to drive my resume personally over to you and for five minutes. Smartest thing I ever did, and it was by chance, drove an old typewriter resume over there, uh, and he looked at it, and he started laughing well, we connected in that moment. We connected with that old typewritten resume. Well, I'd never really applied for a job. I, I'd known people and they knew me and so forth. Well, they had a perceiver test there and he was gonna coach me up a little bit. Uh, you know, it's what they call a touchy-feely. Well, you know, I believe, you know, there's a right and wrong answer. That's just the way I am. And I took that perceiver test that night because when I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna get her done. It's just the way I'm driven. And so I went home after that 20 minute visit and I took that perceiver test. Well, he called me the next morning and he said, hey, let me talk about this test a minute. I said, what do we wanna talk about? And he said, well, kinda of digging your personality here. I said, I already took it. Well, I'm glad to say, he said, well, if you don't do well, this deal's over. Evidently, I aced it, and he was in shock, I think, as I was. But uh, I was trying to be truthful and honest with it. Uh, so I was fortunate to get that job, and it, it was really a great stepping stone, and I'm so indebted uh, to Bob and the Keller ISD for allowing me that opportunity. Uh, it's a great staff, and I learned you've got to surround yourself by great people. Uh, I learned this a long time ago, You've got to get the right people on the bus for you to be successful. So we were able to do that. They allowed us to do that. We had success. Uh, and I know when Coach Dodge left to go to UNT, that job came open. Uh, I really wasn't going to apply for it initially because uh, it, it was overwhelming to some degree because of all the success they've had. And, 
you know, I kind of, I knew the terrain a little bit too. I knew with the senior bunch coming that we, we should have great success, but uh, sometimes the cupboard isn't as full with Division One athletes and whatnot. So uh, I really labored on that somewhat. Uh, obviously took it. Very thankful and grateful I did. I uh, don't know. I questioned myself. I don't mind telling you because uh, it can be overwhelming for all the success that was laid because I learned this along the way, Chase. You can never, ever win enough. You can't do it. You win one game, you want to win two games. You win two games, you want to win ten games. You win one district title, you need to win three. You know, it's, it's tough. In fact, I want to tell you this right now. Uh, Coach Bill Snyder asked our staff at Carroll to come out to Kansas State. So honored to go out there and you spoke at his clinic. And I remember when he walked in the room, you've got coaches after a barbecue and a little party social atmosphere. They're visiting and talking. And you know, when he opened the doors, everything stopped. And I thought, wow, that's what success looks like. He commanded the room, never said a word. His presence, his success, people had great respect. So he walks in the room and after the his little presentation the next morning, he said, hey, Hal, I want to have a cup of coffee with you. You drink coffee all the time. Well, I'm like, wow, to sit in front of Coach Bill Snyder. So we go in and we talk about you and your sister and your mom and family and growing up on a farm and all those kind of things. He said, Hal, I got a really important question for you. Well, I buckled down and said, okay, Coach, fire away. He said, how did you feel after your first victory in your first head coaching gig at Italy, Texas. I said, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was so excited, couldn't sleep that night, turning handsprings, and we beat Blooming Grove. Probably should have beat them through, you know, maybe a lot more than we did, but we won, we survived. And he said, how did you feel after that win? I said, excited, exuberant, couldn't sleep. He said, fast forward the clock. Your last victory now in your years, and I'd been at Carroll a few years, he said, Tell me about your last victory at Carroll. And I said, how did you feel? And I said, relieved. He said, relieved? Great answer. That's where I am. What happened? I said, we chose to change. I learned from that moment, don't let anyone affect the way you feel about yourself. You're the only one that gives them permission to allow you to feel any other way than you want to feel. Great lesson taught by a very wise man. And I told him in that moment, I said, I get it. You can't win enough. Can't win enough. We call that brain training. It's, the, it's probably the most important muscle to keep sharp. Mm -hmm. So for those that don't know in our audience, and obviously from an unbiased perspective, I'm a Letterman alumni, big supporter of Dragon Nation. I watched that journey. I watched you become the all-time winningest coach at South Lake Carroll. I watched you win a state title with Kenny the Thrill Hill as, at the helm. I watched you develop young men that had to come in and, and, and realize what it meant to wear that dragon on their helmet, the culture, the process, the grind. Talk to our audience, young coaches specifically, around you're playing teams and, and one game comes to mind, Dallas Skyline, the legend of the Silver Fox, that's where it began, became a national you know, treasure, so to speak, as to what happened in that game. But I recall you guys were outmatched, David versus Goliath, 15 plus Division I kids on the opposite sideline. You guys had a lot of players. But talk to us and our audience, and young coaches more specifically, developing the mindset, training for the moment, visualizing success, so that when you're in those adverse times, it's second nature to turn it on. Another great question. You focus on what you know. You focus on the process. You don't focus on the scoreboard. You don't focus on how big the guy is, how talented the guy is. Because what I've learned, hard work will always beat talent when talent chooses not to work hard. So that's a process in itself, it's, as you, to your point. It's mental toughness, it's physical toughness, attention to detail, sense of urgency, stay the course, all those things that, that you train for. Well, uh, there's one thing that I know about life and in football, 
Adversity is inevitable. It's going to happen. It will break you or you will conquer it. It won't be kind of sort in the middle. One of those two things will happen. Uh, yes, and we, we had uh, uh, some great players that really bought in. And to your point right there, uh, and, and you're asking for advice here for younger guys, I learned at an early age from the wisest man and the, most, the guy I respected the most, my dad, I came home, Chase, one day after a seventh grade football practice, and it sticks with me. It's in, in my bloodline. It's in my DNA. I went to the two women that would listen to my be, me being a crybaby. I go into my mother and my grandmother. We had a tough coach. My dad was president of the school board. They, the superintendent brought in a really tough, hard-nosed coach. We hadn't won. And his son was coming through and, and kids that we grew up with. And anyway, they brought in this tough, hard coach. Well, after about a week of practice, I go in crying and complaining to my grandmother and my mother. By the way, I knew they would listen and sympathize and feel sorry for me and whined and complained about the coach. Now, my dad's out in the cotton field from about daylight to after dark. He comes in, as he always does, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm back in my room. I hear him come in at 8.30 that night. Door shuts. Well, in that moment, I started panicking. He goes in, as he always did, washed up. My mom had his dinner prepared, and he goes, that coach y'all brought in is yada, 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 just complaining and banging. He's mean, and my dad said, get, get my table set or plate set. I'll be back in a minute. I had one of those uh-oh sinking moments. He walks back there. He, we have a come to Jesus meeting. And I learned through corporal punishment in the moment, you know what? If you're going to do anything, don't cry and complain about it to your mother or your grandmother because I know whose side they're going to be on. Here's your option. Finish the season, do your best, and you don't have to play after that. But I have a whole handle and a bale of hay that'll fit your hands very nicely. Me not being a lot smarter in that moment, I, I processed that. I said, I think I'll stick with athletics. Well, at that point, I never, but you know the lesson in that? Had he agreed with them, what would he have told me in that moment? Go whine and complain about what's not, you're entitled to. Oh, I don't like that word, entitled to. Mm -hmm. I learned in that moment, Keep your brain in gear and your mouth in lock and stay the course. Tremendous lessons. I think that's one of the reasons why not only did you guys continue success, continue to protect the tradition, but in 2011, a state championship, a national coach of the year for yourself, tremendous accolades, Under Armour recognition for coach of the year. But I think the things you've talked to and the way I know you carry yourself now, you've talked about the wins, the losses. Football's a game of relationships. Talk to our audience around just some of the players that have impacted you, life lessons you've learned from them, and anything you'd like to share on, on a particular player or journey um, as what you've seen success look like from the things they, they put in um, as a player. Wow. That's a, I've had been blessed with so many great coaches surrounding me. I've been blessed to have so many great players. And you know, to your question, number one, I always expected more out of you than I did other guys. So I was probably tougher on you. And you were the coach's kid. If you recall in this moment too, I told you, don't call me coach, I'm always your dad. So you didn't call me anything if you recall. But through that process from Italy, Texas, uh, had great some great players through all those small schools. You you want me to bring it to uh, Carol? You know you mentioned the Kinneys and the Tanner Jacobsons, and you had the Rileys and the Trays and the and I can go on and on and on. But one guy that sticks out in my mind that didn't get a lot of accolades, but probably one of the greatest teammates I've ever seen, and was, was a guy named Patrick Munlin. You know he he just did everything he could do every day to represent the opponent, and he was so excited to cover a kick, and he was totally bought in. And, you know, I have such great respect. I, I love to drive through Mejia and see 
attorney at law was your quarterback, Justin. I mean, that makes you, uh, to your point too, and I'm not trying to jump the gun or parlay, and there were so many great players and kids, uh, a kid like Chris Boswell, who was our kid, we got him off the soccer field, second highest paid kicker in the NFL. When we got him off the soccer field, he said, coach, I don't play football, I'm a soccer. And I said, great. All you gotta do is see that thing right there, kick it through it. Uh, I texted him a few years ago. I said, how's football doing for you now? And of course, he's still kicking for the Steelers. But I can go on and on, Howard Morrow Day. There are just so many kids and great players, great young men. Uh, but to your point, uh, we always tried to train young men to be at their best when it mattered the most. Irregardless, I didn't look at stature. We didn't look at anything other than those things. Uh, and you hear kids today, well, I work hard. So, you know, I should be playing. My response is, why is working hard special? That's supposed to happen. There's nothing special about working hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can get a dishwasher to work hard. <laughs> you know, players are supposed to work hard, but as, as, as a coach, as a leader, as a mentor, I think it shifted a little bit because when I came up, it was about respect and accountability and work ethic and, team, you know, team, big team. And, and that shifted somewhat, and, and some good and some not so good in my opinion, but at, at the end of the day, you want guys to understand as their coach, you're not trying to be their friend in the moment. You're trying to be their leader, leader the guy that gets the most out of them. I want to be a friend with them when I drive through Mahia or Liberty Hill or South Lake or Keller or Liberty, and they say, you know, those coaches, they taught me the value of a work ethic. They told me not to whine and cry and give in to adversity when it matters the most. You know, that was my mark. Totally agree. From my standpoint, I think coaches make the most impact and teach life lessons that, that go on and are applicable to any, any work environment. I know the hours you put in. I know the commitment it takes. I think you're undervalued not just yourself, but all the great ones. I mean, you, you set the tone for the community, become the face of ultimately, you know, where folks are at on Friday night. So I, I know your passion uh, and the impact you had. Let's shift gears, because when you were at the very top, the pinnacle, you'd reached it. You're playing in Cowboy Stadium. You're playing in front of 40-plus thousand at SMU, Miami Northwestern, the biggest venues that Texas high school football has seen. I'll never forget, I don't recall the year, 2014 or 15, you guys had a very young team at South Lake, really a bunch of sophomores. Overcame a lot of adversity that year. Got beat by a tremendous team in Waco Midway. You had a player in that year, TJ, uh, Cam McDaniel, excuse TJ. me, TJ McDaniel, who's gone on, tremendous career at SMU, a great human being, got injured before that game adversity hit. I remember you walking off that field, lost, but I remember you telling me, the foundation is set. I've got a tremendous cast coming. I think I've got two, maybe three rings left to get that will close down a career of greatness. But as you've said, when you're at the top of the mountain, it's sometimes harder to get there than to stay there and enjoy the view. Walk our audience through adversity hit, things happened. The, the core of your foundation, the brand you represented was attacked. Walk us through to our audience that, that may not know the story, but ultimately led to you leaving South Lake and moving on with your career, just what that process was like. <laughs> Well, you know, I can't say enough good about the things I'd gotten to do to that point. Uh, you know, it was a tough time, uh, but you have to practice what you preach. Uh, I always tell anybody that knows me, it's faith, family, football. That doesn't change, and it won't change with me. How people get through adverse situations without a strong faith, I have no idea. But I'll say that from the get-go. One thing that I know about success, that's when you're the most vulnerable. 
actually, I think it was 17. And yeah, we, we had a lot of sophomores, as you know, and, uh, you know, went, I don't know, four rounds, whatever it was, doesn't matter. But remember, you can't win enough. But when, when you're uh, doing well, and uh, as I mentioned, that, uh, to me, that's when you're the most vulnerable, you know, jealousies, animosities, stuff that you can't control, enter the building. And, you know, sometimes stuff starts getting thrown against the wall and whatever sticks stays and, you know, it's life. But you know what? You go back to what you know. You focus on your faith, you focus on your family, and you surround yourself with people that you trust and you believe in. Uh, you know, that was, you go through emotions, you know, there's shock, there's fear, there's, a, there's all these things, and all of a sudden, you know, honestly for me, it's when you got angry that you get better. And I know you can't get better as long as you're bitter, you know? So I tried to focus on all the good things I also uh, focused on, uh, you know, trying to, as I mentioned, surround myself with people that could help. And the outpouring of coaches and support overwhelmed me. Your mom will tell you that uh, I was very humbled by all that. Uh, I, I was just in awe of all the people that you surround. Because I'll go back to that. What matters the most? Your relationships. You know as well as I do, and and this is honest. I couldn't, I don't even know the stats and the wins. I never focused on that. That I mean, it was important as it is to any competitor, but that wasn't my focus. Uh, my, my dad helped me through a lot of things uh, because he said, you've worked hard for your integrity. And you know, that's a big word to me. Uh, I also, you know, you talk about advice. I've been so fortunate to be around so many great leaders uh, in my tenure, great friends. But, uh, you know, you always want to surround yourself with great leaders, courageous leaders, uh, you know, and I was blessed to be around that. I guess, you know, I had one stop where I didn't have that. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, it's inevitable. But I couldn't tell those kids, be at your best when it matters the most. Hold your head up. Stay the course. How could I tell that to my players and not be that guy? So that's what I chose to focus on. Uh, I learned to, you know, again, back to faith, a handshake meant everything when I started coaching. Remember I told you, superintendent said, I'll be the guy that hires you and I'll be the guy, for great respect for that guy. Now you have committees that form the committees. You know, uh, I've got to say this, one of the interviews I went on early, a lady asked me, Chase, she said, tell me when you get inside the red zone, what's your percentage of scoring? Now I was 31, 32 at the time. But I came, I thought it was a good answer. She didn't think it was a good answer. She said, well, the guy before you answered the question that he scored 92% of the time inside the red zone. I said, you ought to hire him, you know? Well, of course, the committee laughed. She didn't think it was funny. I thought it was, you know, but it was a fair answer if you scored 92. But my point is, the committees that hire the committees or put the committee, you know, I want to be around people that can look you in the eye and some things you don't know how to let go of. And maybe that was one of those things I did not know how to let go of. Uh, whatever phase of life you're in, some people call you, well, you didn't know you were ambushed. Trust me. One thing I'll tell you, uh, I tell any coach, you know, be observant to your surroundings, to your environment. I was very observant. And, you know, I kind of smelt it, felt it, you know, that old, you smell a mouse, but you don't know where the mouse is. Uh, you don't know where they're coming from. But one thing in the school business, there are no secrets. And as you know, I think uh, whatever that night was, a dear friend of mine, great leader, mentor of mine, had a call the night before and kind of alerted me that things, of course, I was surprised. But you know what? I knew I was prepared for this. We took it. I never chased your point. I never got the memo on surrendering. Now I did on fight, uh, and that's it was a fight, personally, professionally, uh, all those things. But you know, I learned so much. You don't learn through the good times; you learn through the adverse times. So I'll say this: I think you learn through failure. I think that's tremendous lessons, especially for the young coaches, even our young professionals that are tied to our Win the Day podcast. 
You mentioned mouse. The field mice is fast, but the owl sees at night. Mm -hmm. And I think you grew, there's wisdom in a lot of the things you shared. I can tell you the good that came of it, uh, probably the best Christmas I had was <laughs> to follow that year, uh, thanks to you know, your representation and, and South Lake ISD for, for making things right. But ultimately, I do believe that those lessons put you in a position, you mentioned family, to take what you did at South Lake, immediately be hired in a high-level executive leadership position at Irving ISD, which was tremendous. But I want to shift gears and talk through your time at Corsicana. You went back to where the journey started. You mentioned Papa, and for those that don't know, raised on a farm, cotton farmer, you know, hard work is what the expectation is. But going back to Corsicana, where Papa, president of the school board, you know, that was, I think for you, the opportunity to number one, go back to where it started. Number two, get close to the family. But number three, and I think this is something I really wanna to touch on, your process, your schemes, the coaches you brought with you, were the same guys that won all those games that made you guys the winningest coaching staff ever at South Lake, multiple state titles, multiple all-state players. You take that same process to Corsicana. Walk us through how, and maybe it's COVID, but socioeconomics, parental support has impacted, in your mind, the game of football and just what you learned through that during your stop at Corsicano? Okay, another great question. It's, it's a question of many moving parts. One thing I will tell you, uh, yes, it was extremely exciting because go back to relationships. Again, I, uh, the lady actually uh, that was over athletics as superintendent uh, was the superintendent of Corsicana. Great respect, courageous leader, Dr. Frost, mm -hmm. as you know. And I, I, Irving picked me up in the moment uh, had the chance to coach, but to your point, I wasn't ready to coach again because you can't sort of trust. You, you either trust or you don't trust. And I needed to process some things, and Irving gave me that way out to do that in that moment. And I went to the state championship game. I think you're where you're supposed to be if your heart's in the right place. I, I really believe that. I wasn't going to the state championship game. A good friend of mine, Tim Buckhannon, was in the state title game, as he always is. And I wanted to go support him. It hurt me to go and think, I'll, I'll not be in this venue again. Uh, and when I was vulnerable, driving home that night, and your mom insisted that I go to the game, by the way, I'm driving home, Dr. Frost calls me. She said, what are you doing? I said, feeling sorry for myself, you know, whatever. And she said, okay, well, how would you like to be my head football coach? I said, let me pull over. And I did pull over and I processed it, talked to your mom. I loved what I was doing as an athletic director because it taught me leadership skills. I learned in that moment, there are leaders that seek to be understood and there are leaders that seek to be heard. I wanted to be a leader and I respect leaders that seek to be understood, not heard. So I learned that. So after visiting with your mom and you guys, we decided to make the trek to work for what I knew, remember the trust, to be a courageous leader and get under that direction. And going back to relationships, there's that bridge again and the people I knew there, you know, my old high school coach, Sam Thompson, and Donnie Denbo, and all those people that I loved and admired and respected. I get to be around my dad, who was not in good health. How many coaches can go home and have a cup of coffee or drink iced tea with their dad the last nine months of his life and get more wisdom put into you? So I'm so indebted for that. Uh, had a great staff with since Dr. Frost and allowed us to do that in the board. So we bring in some great coaches. And you know, uh, it was a very challenging experience. Remember, everybody put so much emphasis on the scoreboard, but a lot of great things happened. You know, we, we, we were able to get in the playoffs and we were able to get a winning record. More importantly, leading young men 
again, I want kids to understand the magnitude of respecting themselves, respect their leaders, respect their teachers, respect, you know, all those things, not to beat it up, and, and, and enhance the numbers in the program, uh, academically, socially, all those things. So it was a wonderful experience uh, to get to close out that way. Uh, so proud of the coaches and the kids during that time. Uh, we had a great three years there. And people ask me all the time, how do you know when it's time? Uh, I had not thought about retirement. Really hadn't, you know. I thought I was going to retire in my prime. Uh, but at any rate, it hurt me not to be at, 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 at the grandkids' games. Uh, Cal, I come to one of his games, and he ran up and he said, Silver, I play better when you're here. That really impacted me. I remember what my dad said when he missed my punt, pass, and kick competition because he had to go to the field. And he said he had never missed another game. I'll never forget that. And he didn't. That hurt him. Well, when I heard that, I didn't say anything in the moment. Didn't tell your mom, didn't tell anybody, but I was processing. Uh, I, didn't, I, I believe you don't do things when you are emotionally attached. You know, that's, that's a reaction. That's not a response. I want to be response-oriented. So I processed that through that time. I think it was an open date. And then, as you know, I talked to you guys, uh, I think the February before I retired, and I said, I'm thinking and leaning towards that because I didn't want to be guilty of having regrets of missing my grandsons play and watch them grow. Because in today's world, you know, I used to think you were going to be the best or your sister was going to be the best or whatever. That's all changed now. Everybody I know now my grandkids are going to be the best, yeah. you know, and I think that's where it's all, that's a whole nother nugget today, but it, it's difference in, in, and I think that's kind of where entitled slipped in a little bit, entitlement, but at the end of the day, I said faith, family, football, and I said, uh, I have been guided and directed because of my faith and belief, and that's never let me down never has it let me down. Because I believe as long as your mind and your heart are in the right place, good things are gonna happen for you. Well, great things happen, 250 plus wins. I think almost two, I don't know the exact statistics, but you know, you're, you're 260 plus leaving a legacy as a high school football coach. You mentioned Coach Tim Buchanan. I think I just saw he's retiring, Coach Woods retiring. So the, the old guard, I guess, these, these guys that have had all this wisdom and, and legacy are now stepping away from the game. You've had a chance to reflect, watch a lot of football, probably a lot easier calling plays <laughs> on the couch um, and you know, not necessarily being referred to as the silver fox anymore. But for all our young coaches, our viewers, our audience, give us the perspective of what you've learned and how you've seen the game change, particularly with what we've gone through with COVID and how you see Texas high school football continue to evolve? Well, another great question. It has evolved, but you know, I've learned as long as you're, you're either growing or you're dying daily. You're either getting better or you're getting worse daily. You either trust or you don't, I mean, all those things. So uh, growth can be a good thing if its, if it's intentions are in the right place. You know, we need more role models and mentors today than ever before. Uh, so I, I advise coaches, stay true to who you are. You know, uh, we, we've got to have coaches that uh, enhance and promote the integrity of, of, of the game, of the schools. Uh, we've got to promote that. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's changed a little bit. I, I, as I mentioned, I'm not trying to backtrack, but I, I, I concern myself with everybody trying to be politically correct today and everybody's gonna win the prize. Well, I don't know about your job, but not everybody's gonna win the prize. So if we enhance that type of entitlement attitude, it's just gonna keep getting harder and harder for coaches because you're not affecting the coaches, you're affecting the kids. Is I was tough on you, I think you'll recognize that. But you have to, there's a fine line you have to walk today. And I'm cognizant of that. But at the end of the day, uh, the integrity of the game, 
teaching them the values of being a good teammate. Because my vision was always for our players to become productive citizens, productive parents, productive role models. Now, with that being said, you know, if you got 100 kids, there may be 90 of them that drink the Kool-Aid and four or five that don't and two or three that don't like it at all. Well, coaches have to be cognizant in, in coaching today. Those one or two can cost you your job, but that's okay. You stand for what you believe in and value the importance of leadership. Those, those, those great leaders in those positions that not protect you, but take care of you, be able to look you in the eye and say, this is real and this is fact and this is perception. So you have to correlate all that stuff uh, and you have to surround yourself with people on the bus that think and want to work and do like you. You have to be tough enough as a head coach and a leader to make those tough calls so people understand it. They don't have to like it. There's a lot of things my dad didn't meet that I really didn't like. I really didn't like working all day. I really didn't. Uh, but you have to learn those lessons at a young age so you can be at your best when it matters the most. I think that's the most profound thing you've said is be your best when it matters the most. You've patterned your career as a coach, as a father. I mean, the life lessons I've learned and watched, it's the whole reason this win the day mentality is building. It's why I think the things that you've shared is gonna have such a profound impact on our audience. And it's why you've left a legacy, not only on the game, but on the people that you've formed these relationships with. And I know the tremendous amount of respect your former players have for you. I know as a son, totally indebted and grateful for the way you've raised me and can't thank you enough. So one of the most profound quotes I think I ever read of yours, and I didn't hear it live, but it stuck with me. You were more proud of the way you lost mm -hmm. than the way you won. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, resonates in all aspects of life for folks. But what that taught me and what I think that landed on your teams is the principle, number one, to finish. But number two, if you were going to be beat, they were going to have to go at you at every step of the way to physically, mentally dismantle you to beat you. Yeah, well, as I taught you and I was taught, you never let them see you sweat, right? You may be burning inside, but you've got to believe in your value system and trust the process, uh, all those things that we just impacted. But I've got to leave you with this. The thing that bothered me the most about coaching, and it was a choice I made, was I allowed the losses many times to outweigh the wins. And it took me a long time to process that piece, but it always bothered me that we as coaches allow that. So now I've become an expert on everything since I've retired, so I can tell everybody how to do any, any and everything, but just kidding on that. But anyway, uh, I gotta say, I'm so proud of you and, and what you're doing and what you're becoming, and uh, faith, family, livelihood. For our audience, we've heard a tremendous amount of wisdom from the silver fox himself. The motto here at Win the Day, we rise, we grind, we shine, we impact. It's living proof right here beside me. Thank you for being a guest on Win the Day with Wasson. DNA matters, minus the gray hair. <laughs> Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show and look forward to winning the day together on our next episode. Thank you.